Welcome to When Pigs Fly. We're a podcast that's uncovering Cincinnati's rich business history dating back from the 1800s to today. We talk to companies to learn the ups and the downs of entrepreneurship, what it takes to grow a successful business, and to simply prost to future innovation. I'm one of your co-hosts, Ali Martin. And I'm your other co-host, Patrick Bailey. And today we kind of have a little bit of a of a special podcast because, Patrick, it is the week of the flying pig. Another Cincinnati holiday. Another Cincinnati holiday. So it's a big week for us here in Cincinnati. And so with that, we are inviting Eric Oliver, who is the founder and physical therapist of Beyond Exercise. And so basically he's rehabilitating people's bodies through physical therapy back to a healthy state. And with the flying pig, it's very suitable because he works with a lot of runners. He works with a lot of runners. He has a lot of content on their website that are free for runners. So if you are running the Flying Pig, uh, you might want to go check out that content. And speaking of our history nugget for this week, Allie, it is about the Flying Pig. We need a history nugget. We've been slacking (laughs) on the history nuggets. I know. But (laughs) the Flying Pig first started in 1999, and it is the third largest first-time marathon in the United Mm. States. And in 2008, they had nearly 5,000 participants, but overall participation ranges above 30,000 people because they also have not only the marathon itself, but they also have the 5K, the 10K. They call it the flying fur, where there's people and their dogs. That might be a little (laughs) too much for some people if dogs are running around. The three-way, the three-way, that's, the three-way is the um, marathon, or a half marathon, a 10K, and a 5K. That's, That's too much. <laughs> Might as well just run the marathon at that point. <laughs> yes, but it, it's 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 uh, it's a marathon that if you talk with runners, it's a very important marathon to a lot of runners because it's a very difficult marathon. Mm. And full circle, Eric sees that it can be very grueling on people's bodies just long distance running to begin with. So, and he doesn't just work with runners. Let's keep that in mind. He works with everybody and and people Mm -hmm. of all ages and and you don't have to necessarily be an athlete as well, but we'll we'll touch on that a little bit in this, in this episode and uh, dive into his business model because he, he really beyond exercise, he has approached his business just differently. Uh, He has pulled away from your standard traditional insurance And that alone is more of like a pay-to-play model. Mm. So we'll get to talk to him a little bit about why he decided to do that and how it's been successful for him. Well, let's bring him in. Let's do it. Okay, Eric, we are so excited to have you on our podcast. You are a physical therapist and founder of Beyond Exercise, and you're also celebrating 10 years this year for Beyond Exercise. So congratulations on that. Yeah, thanks. It's, uh, yeah, we're about 10 and a half years now. So it's crazy. And you know, okay, I'm going to say, said this in the opening as well, and I'm going to reiterate it again. I swear you truly have changed my life. And just in terms of how I feel every day, my back pain, my leg pain, this is not me blowing smoke. Uh, But I think a lot of that also has to do with your interesting approach to how you view physical therapy, how you view rehabilitation of the the body. And we're going to get into all of this. And we're also going to loop back around because we're celebrating the flying pig this week, this, this fits quite nicely into our storyline. So we'll talk about the flying pig a little bit later awesome. and how you help trainers. But right out the gate, kind of paint a picture of your background and how you decided to start beyond exercise. Yeah. So I started physical therapy, practicing physical therapy almost 20 years ago. 
So I graduated from University of Cincinnati. My first job out was wanted to be in sports medicine, but ended up doing the exact opposite, which was nursing homes, just because <laughs> there weren't a lot of jobs uh, available for me. So it's like, oh, okay, that'll work for now. <laughs> and so it was a good experience. You know, I, I, and I've worked, I've been a journeyman for the, my first 10 years of practice. It was from nursing homes to a foot and ankle clinic to private practice, hospital-based outpatient, another private practice, and then a doctor-owned group. And that specialized in back. Yeah. So all over. And the reason being, it's just because I was always searching for something better that I couldn't quite like put my hands on it. Mm. You know, I wanted to be able to practice the way I I thought I should be able to practice without Mm. certain restrictions and controls on how I'm able to engage with a a patient and then carry them through a spectrum of care. And then it was after that was 10 years, I realized, you know what, I can't work in these systems anymore because I realized it's insurance that was <laughs> insurance companies that was kind of holding me back. It was and no matter where I was, the common denominator was an insurance company that forced me to treat the way I, want, I, I had to treat or I had certain regulations as far as time frame to work with somebody. So it was after those 10 years, I realized, you know what, I think I'm going to get out of physical therapy which I almost did. I even, I took the, the, the police exam, Cincinnati police exam thinking, oh, wow. I still wanted to help people. Mm. I thought firefighting. And then I took the police exam. I passed the, the written test. was ready to go in for the physical test. Oh, wow. And it's then I realized, bad. you know, I did one of those like you double takes. I was yeah. in deep. I was like frustrated with Ooh. the physical mm. therapy world. And I had to slap myself a couple of times and say, you know what? There's got to be another way to do this. Mm. And that's where Google stepped in and pointed me in the direction of, you know what, maybe you start your own practice and just don't take insurance companies. I love take, that. Take insurance. I, yes. I, I love that. I love that. Can we rewind a little bit? How did you decide physical therapy was what you want to get into specifically? Clearly, you have a love and passion for helping people. Personally, kudos to you. I could never handle feet, feet. So it obviously takes a special kind of person to be able to do things like that. So where did your, I guess, love for physical therapy and helping people come from? You know, ironic thing about the foot thing is I'm learning it in school and I'm thinking there's so many bones and ligaments and action. You know, I don't really need to. I don't. And and you know what? I don't want to work with feet ever. Just chop them off. And then for a while I'm working with feet. It's like totally, total irony. But um, I started my interest in physical therapy started in in high school. I I played soccer in high school. Mm. I visited the athletic training room a few times and I initially thought I wanted to be an athletic trainer. And then um, from there, my mom actually uh, pointed me in the direction of physical therapy. She said, you know what? You can also be a physical therapist. They do similar things as an athletic trainer, but you have a little bit more versatility. Mm. And um, the more I researched that, I realized, you know what? I, I want to help people in the physical and health kind of realm. And physical therapy just turned out to be the the place for me. Moms I, know best. Moms you know what? She kind of does. It's a mother's intuition. <laughs> so here's a question then for you, because you had your, um, we're, we'll get back to the insurance side of things, but you had the opportunity to, like you said, dabble in a couple different places like the nursing homes, et cetera. Paint a picture for us as to what the day-to-day 
of your go beyond exercise, like physical therapy session might look like versus what you were dealing with in some of those other instances? Like, how did you take what you learned and apply them to beyond exercise? So in whether it was I was working in a nursing home or a private practice or with a hospital group, you know, the, the routine was the same. It was, you know, I get my list of patients and then I, 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 they'd start coming through. But the thing with these places was they sometimes, and actually not sometimes, many times they'd schedule on the half hour. And mm-hmm. so every half hour you'd work with a patient. Sometimes you get double booked in, at the top of the hour or the bottom of the hour. You don't have time to tend to them. And so you don't have time to tend to them. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, and you've been there, Allie, in our yeah. treatment room. It's when you come in, we're half. talking for, yeah, we're talking yeah. for 15 minutes. I'm learning minutes all of it about your, your YouTube endeavors. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, and that's a whole other topic we'll there. To, that's a podcast. There in in the Garage sales, uh, <laughs> poker. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, uh, in, a tip, in, in our sessions, you know, you and I will catch up for 10, 15 minutes yeah, first, you yeah. know, see, do a systems check. You know, how are things yeah. going? What's the plan? Or how's the plan been going? In these other places, you talk 10, 15 minutes and you only have 10, 15 minutes to treat them. Yeah. And as you know, I'm very hands-on. Our clinic, yes. our therapists are very hands-on. We're not just doing exercises. We are, we're doing manual techniques to really just get to the root issue um, and root problems. In these other places, you would, someone would come in, you know, you catch up 10, 15 minutes, see where they're at, do a systems check, you know, see how they're responding to treatment, or you're just talking with them for the very first time, evaluating them. And so trying to yeah. figure out what's going on. Well, after that, you get maybe 10, 15 more minutes of treatment, and then the next person comes in and then it just snowballs from there. I mean, you're just, you're just playing catch up. And I yeah. felt like I could not truly like treat the way I wanted to treat, which was, you know, get to know what's going on, mm-hmm. then treat, retest, treat, retest. So, and do a lot of my manual techniques, which takes time. So yeah. it became too high pressure um, in working these uh, different situations. And like I said, it, um, no matter if, whether it was one private practice versus another versus, you know, a big hospital group, it always came down to the same thing. We had to drive patients to the door, turn and burn, turn, turn and burn in order to make the money in order to get the reimbursement from the insurance companies that we needed mm-hmm. to operate. And so that led me to deciding I needed to get rid of insurance and try to perform therapy services without it. And it was a revolutionary idea. I had to Google to find out that you could actually do that. You know, realize you can not use your insurance to pay for healthcare. It was pretty simple. It's just, I tell people, we don't bill your insurance. So a typical... Yeah. Um, scenario is it's out of pocket. Yeah. It's a typical, you know, transaction in a healthcare clinic. You go in, you pay your copay, and then maybe you pay something else on top of that. Then it goes towards your deductible. So a certain amount. Well, the clinic will then bill for their time that they spent with you and it's inflated. So it's inflated because then they will reimburse only a portion of that. So to keep things simple in our clinic, it's one flat rate for an hour because we know we need about upwards of 45 minutes to an hour to really assess, talk through the issues and then test, treat, retest, treat, come up with a plan, send you with mm-hmm. homework, educate you on that homework yes. and then you know set the next stage for the next uh, uh, session. So it's a very involved process. 
this was a very revolutionary idea. Were you receiving any pushback when you first opened and first launched? Were people having a hard time understanding that form of transaction? Not really. They were a little confused at first um, yeah. because mm. no one has really, they've never, most people have never really done it that way. You know, if you mm-hmm. pay for healthcare through insurance, through yeah. your insurance company mm-hmm. versus out of pocket, but it was not out of the ordinary in like the massage therapy world, even mm. chiropractors are direct out of pocket. Mm. So in those kind of realms, mm. it was not, it's not new, but for physical therapy it was. I was, I think the first, if not one of the first people to really open up a standalone physical therapy clinic that did not take insurance and build um, directly either with okay. cash credit, check, yeah. HSA cards. So this then leads to the question, are you actually saving your patients money or are you just making more money? Uh, that's a good question. So we are, to, to give you a, 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 an idea um, of that, I had a patient not too long ago who went somewhere else. You know, they mm. got the evaluation. They got, their insurance was billed up to like $600, $700 or something for that wow. visit. And then they had to pay out of pocket two to $300, something like that. You know, our visit for that same session for double the time would have cost $99. And we get more accomplished. When we get more accomplished, you know, versus coming in in a standard maybe treatment plan two times a week for four weeks mm. is what a standard treatment plan in, a, in those type of clinics is. It's maybe once a week to two days, two days a week for the first week or two. And then after that, it's once a week to then once every three weeks to a month because we accomplish more and we are able to do more. For our listeners, can you help me and our listeners understand? You're able to charge less because you're cutting out kind of the middleman, essentially, correct? Exactly. So okay. we don't have to pay someone to collect that money from, mm-hmm. from insurance. We don't have to pay a billing person to collect that from an insurance company. And then we don't have to hyperinflate our rates to because insurance companies only are only going to pay for so a portion of it. you're clearly saving your, cost, you know, your clients money. Are you therefore making more money as a business? We are able to make money and be profitable for sure. Now it's just mm-hmm. like any other business. It's, mm-hmm. you got to manage, you know, your, your X's and O's, you know, make sure that your yeah. expenses yeah. aren't uh, overriding. And, you still have uh, an accountant on exactly, payroll. Yeah. Ex- exactly. <laughs> so we have to, we have to adjust, we have to make smart business decisions, but with the model that we have, we can still make money. So that's a good point right there. So smart business decisions, I, you know, talking about insurance, talking about healthcare can be very complicated. What you've been able to craft. It's so nice speaking from my personal experience of how simple and easy it's been. But on your side, on the business side, if someone is looking to also get into physical therapy, what are those smart business moves if they want to create something of their own that you could advise them on? Well, first thing, you've got to be a pretty good clinician. People, we've been able to grow our business because we've got staffs full of good clinicians and providers. So if you are good at that, you will develop the outcomes. The outcomes dictate how many referrals you get and how good of a referral base that you can develop. If you're not good, yeah, go And I want to kind of tack on that question, not to totally divert, because we'll go back to the smart, you know, business advice. But so what makes a good physical therapist? Ooh, good question. I was just talking to some Xavier students, a good clinician, you know, someone who, yes, you have to mind your, 
knowledge base. You know, you have to have a good understanding of anatomy and, and mm. clinical tests and all that stuff. But a good, in my opinion, a good clinician, and you, you'll see this as a common trait with all our clinicians, all our physical therapists, is it's, you know, someone who's empathetic, who will listen, mm. Um, mm. who can also problem solve and critically think on the fly. Mm. Because as you know, Ali, you've been in on the treatment yeah. table and we'll yeah. get diverted yeah. too because something, oh, something else mm-hmm. is coming up or I'm seeing something else. So we got to go check that out and then go back and see how it, how it, it, it forms the big picture. Mm-hmm. And so you got to be able to think out, in my opinion, outside of the box, you have to have a good foundational knowledge of anatomy and, you know, all those sciences that goes into mm. being a physical therapist. And then when you can do that and be a good PT in that, in that way, listen, treat, get the outcomes, then your patients will refer their friends, family, coworkers, and then that's how you can grow the business. And then, you know, as far as like being a good business person, I didn't take any business courses at all in college, you know, and when I decided I wanted to do this, I reached out to a guy in Texas who had his own practice. He had set it up a year prior and was doing out on network type of physical Mm -hmm. therapy as well. So I reached out to him, but I did a lot of Googling. It was a lot of Googling and just reading. And, you know, when it comes down to it, I think for me, it was just deliver a good product, price it right for the, the current mm-hmm. time that you're at, mm-hmm. you know, I started off super low, even though I felt like my services were highly valuable. And my rates were super low. Do you have a brick and mortar low. then too? I did not. I, yeah. I rented out of a gym, an existing personal training gym. I rented out of their space and then I would go to people's homes. And so I, I had a massage table that I would carry out, out to the, nice. my car and I'd drive around to people's homes and other gyms as well. And so I was really scrapping it. And so, I mean, you could go get brick and mortar and you have this big idea, but then now your expenses are inflated. Your overhead is high. Yep. So in the beginning, I had to keep my overhead low. I had to price because it was a brand new idea and, and service option of paying for the service. I had to price it low just to prove the concept and get people to understand. And then after that, it's, it took me a while to figure out, you know, QuickBooks and uh, yeah. you know, all that bookkeeping stuff so yeah, and, the side. <laughs> and all the counting side. And I had to make sure, oh, I do need to keep my expenses low. Yeah. <laughs> I need to make sure I'm taking money in. Now it didn't happen for probably the first year. I mean, I didn't make any money, but no I, I was, I was not burned out. It was a different kind of stress. I was not burned out. I was happy. And mm-hmm. I knew that if I kept plugging along, because I was getting enough proof of concept, I was getting referrals. Now it wasn't a lot, but it was, I was getting referrals that it, it, it pushed me to keep going year in, year out. It sounds like you basically built out your business from just going home to home and doing, you know, in-person physical therapy, but to this, I don't know how to describe it other than a full-blown suite <laughs> of opportunities for, you know, treatment and training for your patients and clients. So, you know, what is provided today that you didn't provide when first starting out? And how did you incrementally get to where you are today? I, so when I started, I just purely wanted to do physical therapy. And that was, that's kind of, that's what I knew the most, obviously, Mm. that's what I was good at. And that's all I thought I needed to do. Working with that personal training gym, I realized, you know what, it's nice to have these trainers around that I can bounce ideas off and also share clients with them, Mm -hmm. either they referred them to me or referred to them. And I realized, you know, 
maybe health and wellness, at least from the previous 10 years, the first 10 years of my career is not just about rehabbing, getting them past their injury. I really, if I really want to take them to that end goal, like someone wants to run a marathon, it's not just about, all right, getting them to where they're not feeling that knee pain anymore. It's then taking them beyond that to the next steps. All right, now you're rehabbed. What's next? Now we got to strengthen your core, your back, get you to run more efficiently. And then I got to, now, if you want to run even further, I got to guide you with your training program. So it became, I became more of than just a physical therapist. I became maybe a little bit of a personal trainer, a, a running coach. And I realized, you know what? I think I need a team of people to be able to serve people to get to their end goal. So that most people, when they come in, it's not like, I want to get rid of my pain. I want to be able to, I want to be able to lie in bed without back pain. I want to wake up without back pain. I want to run this half marathon. I want to do these things. Those are the end goals. And so I realized I needed to create a team that can then support that end goal to take someone from injured to the full spectrum of care, not just rehab, but beyond rehab which is why I named my business Beyond Exercise. It's more than just exercise. It's, it's taking you to your end goal. So that's why today we have personal trainers, a team of personal trainers, a massage therapist, uh, Pilates instructors, uh, people who specialize in postpartum care, postpartum exercise, and coaches. And so, yeah, it's turned into this big system of care that we can, so we can help people, you know, sp- uh, sp- help people get to their very, and goal where they want to be. And personally speaking too, sometimes I think it could be like you do everything, right? Like you said, it's beyond exercise. And for a long period of time too, I'm like thinking, okay, there's a, you have your chiropractor, but then you also have physical therapy. And then you also have this, and you also have that. I'm like, wait, are they all different or all they the same? I'm not really sure, but they still intertwine together. And you guys truly do a little bit of everything in that sense. So when you're finding people to hire on to help you as coaches and as more physical therapists, you know, come on board, how do you know, like it goes back to a little bit of that question of what makes a good therapist, how do you train them and how do you work with them to say, I want you a a part of my team? You know, we've gone through, we've gone through hires that didn't work and hires obviously that have worked. And uh, each time, each hire and each, you know, hiring season, I learned something new. And, and what I've realized is you look and everyone says this, you know, you hire people who are smarter than you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it yeah, makes never you be the smartest better. person. In the exactly. Middle. And it makes yeah. the company look better. Uh, so I, I obviously I'm going to look at people's experience and I prefer people we have to have some sort of experience because this has a high level clinic. You know, we have to be able to differentiate different diagnoses and then be able to apply hands-on mm. uh, skilled care. And that takes a, a special type of clinician um, mm-hmm. on our part when I'm talking about physical ther- therapists, mm-hmm. that is. So the way we vet people is, one, they've got to be highly skilled, have the training that backs it. But then I need to know you. You know, Are you a good person? Yeah. Um, do you care about mm. people? Do you, um, will you be a good team player and work with us? Because we have a very good, very solid, smart team. And the last thing I want to do is bring someone in that dis- disrupts that. So we need to make sure that we have good quality people to give the care, but then good quality people who we'd be proud to you know, be sitting next to and supporting yeah. each other. And so part of our hiring process is 
you go through that vetting process. Are you, are you skilled? Um, talk on the phone and, you know, get a sense of your personality. I have a pretty good intuition with people. And there are many times where I didn't early on where I didn't trust that. And it's bitten me in the butt. He, he, saw, he saw Allie and was like, bad person. <laughs> <laughs> but and there are times where it's like, you know what, you know, this person is, I've got a good intuition now. And I've got to, I've got to really listen to that more when I'm speaking with, with, with people. And then when mm-hmm. I feel like, all right, that's, this person seems like the right fit. They talk the talk. Then we actually bring them in for an interview. And it's not just your typical interview. It's all right. You have this all on your paper, back it up. Here is a case. Yeah. I have back pain. It's raiding down my leg, blah, blah, blah. Let's, let me see you diagnose it. And then let me see you um, do your techniques. So mm. situational, which through all the jobs that I've ever had previously, I've never had to go any, through any kind of clinical reasoning, case study, demonstration of my techniques. I just had to go in and answer your, your typical interview questions. You know, what are your strengths? Mm. What are your weaknesses? Well, you know, you know, that doesn't tell me how good of a clinician you are and how, <laughs> how hand, how good your, your hands are. So attention to detail, attention to detail. And it's the same with our trainers, massage therapists. You, know, you have to go through this kind of like mm. little hands-on uh, practical essentially to get a job here. So you brought up a good point when you were answering the last question about how the talent is one of your differentiators. Yeah. Obviously the lack of health insurance is another differentiator. What would you say would be like your third differentiator that makes you automatically stand apart from other, you know, physical therapists out there? It could be those two, but what would you say is like the most important one that differentiates you? It's a good question. I mean, you got we got our we got our talent, we got our team, mm-hmm. our team works together. I mean, it could um, be one of those two that you already mentioned. Yeah, but, I mean, it's it's those two. I would say also, you know what? And it's just not seen often in the physical therapy world in healthcare in general. It's mm-hmm. our brand. We have a pretty strong brand recognition, I think. Hmm. Um, how how did that come years. to be? So in the beginning, you know, I'm a former runner, triathlete. You know, I don't do it as much these days. And yeah. uh, just because I don't have the, the time or really children, the interest anymore family. in children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there are other uh, priorities in my life. But back when I started, I, I was training a lot and I would run in literally in these circles, uh, in these groups. And you know, developed a, a a subspecialty in working with endurance athletes, and mm. so and we still do that. And we still one of our subspecialties and the strongest specialties is working with runners, r- endurance athletes. So at any given time, you'll see a runner in our clinic, either in the strength uh, in the gym or in physical therapy. So I think getting out there and being amongst these type of athletes, showing them that I am one of them. I know what they're going through, mm. um, help to build that recognition and that, that brand and that trust. Mm. And then the way we marketed or I marketed in the beginning, I didn't use social media a lot. So a lot yeah. of it was actually taking my logo, which, um, I'm very proud of the, the logo that we have and putting it on hats and putting it, mm. putting those hats on runners and triathletes. Swag. Swag, I putting it on swag. shirts <laughs> and not in yeah. your swag all night. Exactly. And it's all about the swag. You know, I would go out, <laughs> I'd go to the Nike outlet store and I'd buy all, I'd buy shirts and half quarter zips and, and anything that I could print on. I'd print on it and I'd give it to 
yeah. uh, these runners. They'd be ambassadors for Beyond Exercise, essentially. And so mm-hmm. I think that that gave us a different image that, hey, one, the logo speaks for itself almost. It's mm-hmm. it's it's a B and it's an E. Recognizable. So it's recognizable. It's got good color to it. It's not a, a your typical kind of branding for a health Mm-mm. or, or no, physical therapy you know, type of clinic. And then when you get on our website, it doesn't feel like your typical Mm-mm. healthcare. Sterile. It's not sterile, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so it's very dynamic and it shows people being active, achieving. It showcases our, our, our staff. It showcases our knowledge. We have all kinds of free content, especially for runners. If you're a runner, you get on our website, there's tons of free content on there that is very useful, videos, articles. And so I think just getting it out there and having that kind of a cool factor, you know, brand identity, you have brand brand identity identity out in in the community. Yeah. Yeah. When did you realize that you had to start building that brand identity? I think I somewhat realized it from the beginning. I intuitively kind of knew I had to set myself apart, which is why I Mm. also, my name is beyond exercise. I needed to be set myself people. I needed people to see it. I didn't want to call it Eric Oliver Physical Therapy and Associates or something like that. You know, that that doesn't, that's very, like you said, Ali, sterile, yep, very we, boring. Yeah, yeah. It didn't mean anything. But the word B-E, B, means something to people. And um, beyond exercise, in, in a snapshot, can tell you that, oh, these guys do more than just exercise. I wonder what that is. And then so I realized, well, once I hooked them, I needed to bring them to something. So yeah. that's where, you know, I, I have, I've retooled my website Many a lot well, <laughs> because it's always evolving. And I, yeah. I used to hire, I hired someone to do it for me. And I realized, you know what, I'm changing so fast, the messaging, the content, everything, the pricing structures, mm-hmm. I had to control my own website. So that's, so I, mm. and to this day, I still control the build of my website. It's, it's interesting because right. You, you started from like just bootstrapping and and bringing in these clients, building this brand identity, knowing that brand identity is important. It seems like you're in a really good spot right now. And you Mm -hmm. also brought up the element of social media, which I think is interesting. So moving forward in the future, and Eric, we've kind of had a couple conversations about this as well. What, What are you hoping to accomplish in the social media space and how valuable do you find social media to your brand? So probably seven, eight years ago, I poo-pooed social yeah. media, <laughs> Facebook, Instagram. I, I it's didn't a think lot it, of work. Yeah, it's, I, it's work. a lot of work. I didn't think it was worth it. Yeah. But over, I would say over the last probably two years, I've really paid attention and been mindful at managing mm-hmm. our Instagram and Facebook, mostly Instagram, mm-hmm. just because... I can analyze the metrics, which I never used to really. And I can actually see some things paying off. And if I want to stay relevant, because we have a lot more competition these days in the, in this out of network physical therapy uh, world um, and just health and wellness in general, Mm -hmm. we have to, it's just like that Seinfeld episode with George Costanza and he's the, he's trying to be the toothpaste. You know, trying. Do you remember that episode? Wait, which wait, which um, one is that? Oh, one? anyway, he, so he's. He, it's like this commercial that in the nineties was playing everywhere. Yeah. And George's George was trying to get in with this woman, and his his strategy was to be like this toothpaste commercial, pop up wherever <laughs> and in, interject himself whenever he can. So then, uh, just subliminally, she's just wanting George. So, <laughs> 
and that's your strategy. <laughs> yeah, and that's the I mean, that's the that's your strategy with social media. I think so, is and with anybody. For, uh, younger listeners, does that strategy work for George? <laughs> it did until he messed it up. So as he always does, he messes it. He messed it up. But it's like with social media, it's the same thing. It's you got to stay relevant in front mm-hmm. of people in order to be the choice when they're ready to make that choice. Yeah. And do you feel like you're gaining new clients then from social media or do you feel like it's your clients that are coming in working with you and, and maybe it's because they were referred to you and then they start following? Because I think that's also part of the big reason why people want social media is to Mm. find new clients and to bring in a new audience. Do you feel like you're doing that with social? It's hard to say. We do track that. And when we ask, when someone new comes in, they, we ask, you know, how did you find this? And yeah. majority, overwhelming majority is through a referral from somebody else that has been mm-hmm. here. Sometimes we're getting Google, people found us on Google, and then they get mm-hmm. on our website and see what we're all about. And they decide that we're the place for them. I got to think social media, I see when I'm, I'm analyzing and I'm looking, all right, who's paying attention, who's liking, whatever. A lot of it are people who are already following us. And mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that we're not getting anything from social media because, again, I think through social media, yeah, maybe you're not hurt now, but you'll see what we do. You'll see work with runners. And then someday down the road, you will see that you'll, you'll get hurt and you'll, re- you'll think, oh, I'll be on exercise. And then you, maybe you'll talk about it to a coworker and the coworker mm-hmm. will be like, you know what? I have a family member that went there and they did really well. You should give mm-hmm. them a try. Or something, you know, it worked. I think it's it's forming another relationship, truly, even though you're not physically in there, you're still engaged in a way to just be in tune of what's going on in each other's lives. Yeah, it's it's creating warm leads, you know, somewhat warm leads. Um, so that and then also just to to engage, we have to engage our current people too. We don't want them to Mm -hmm. forget about beyond exercise. So, again, there are many times where maybe we'll put out a post about massages. And then next thing you know, we'll have people Famous realizing <laughs> yeah, that that'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we'll have people like booking massages we haven't seen in a while because it's almost like, oh yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm feeling tight. I totally forgot that you know, beyond exercise can do massages. I need to get back in there. You know, so many times that that happens. So speaking of you know free content that you have on your you know website, we're going to give you the opportunity to give some of our listeners some quote unquote, free content in the sense of what advice do you have for people who are sitting in their desk all day, especially because, you know, work, people are working from home now. They tend to sit mm-hmm. longer now at home uh, because they forget to get up and walk around. They don't have the same interaction in the cubicles. But then you also have the people headed back into the office. What are some tips on how to survive the work day. <laughs> and kind of loop that into, if you can, with some of the like most common problems then that you see to related to that. Well, I mean, I'll start with the most common problems. People who we do see a lot of people who work at desk all day, whether it's at home or you know at the office mm-hmm. with neck pain, um, shoulder pain, back pain. And essentially it's in that position, whether you're in good posture or not for hours on end. You know, you can be in a very good posture for the whole eight hour day, but you're going to get tight and stiff around that posture. Patrick so, and I right now, are, are I know you're, you're, I'm watching the video and our it's like, our body is trying to stretch. I know I've been told by you. And that, 
Patrick, if you're watching Allie there in the video, is what you need to do is essentially you just need to move and you can, whether it's getting up and dancing or stretching, pulling your head side to side, twisting to the left, twisting to the right, side bending to the left, side bending to the right. You know, the spine mm. is designed to move. And if you don't move it, it gets stiff. And, and, the hips, and the hips, you know, move the hips. <laughs> yeah. I Shakira, mean, we're, we're, she's, she's Allie's doing Shakira right now. That's perfect. <laughs> you know, it, it, you just need to, you just need to move uh, really. And then mm. beyond that, if you can go mm. for walks, take a, a walking break, you know, standing desk. A lot of people talk about standing desk, but those two can, can be detrimental as well. If you're standing in one really? position all day long, well then instead of the stress going to somewhere else, Maybe your shoulders, it's going to, or your low back, it's going to your feet. Yeah. And then you start, you can get fatigued feet. Also, you can stand with bad posture too for a long period of time as well. You can stand, and then most people stand with their butt tucked un, underneath them. So in a standing slouch position, essentially. So you yeah. need to learn how to stand um, if you're going to do be at a standing desk. And then you also still like, need to do a video tutorial. I know. On how to stand <laughs> you know what? I considered uh, making a, a video like that. Maybe Ali, I'll to recruit you too. Count me in. Make Come a in. video. Come <laughs> in. Desk posture, proper desk posture. <laughs> and oh follow along. But yeah, you move around. If you just move around, you know, those kind of things will go a long way, actually. So this is, I mean, this is kind of in line with it, too. Do you also see with everything with this pandemic and people working from home or just the stresses of work, right? Do you see people also coming in not only with like physical stress, but that mental stress as well? And how that that mental stress and maybe even anxiety or anything along the, those lines will affect someone's body? Yeah, for sure. You know, especially in the past year and a half, people are a lot more stressed than, than they have been prior. You know, working from home can be pretty stressful, especially if you have kids, too. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. when we come in, we're not only evaluating people's physical condition, we're listening. And this mm -hmm. is where a good therapist listens. We're listening mm. to their mental condition too. You know, are mm. are they stressed? We ask the questions. You know, what are you doing for work? Or how? And then once we get to know somebody, we try to get to understand. All right, what are the stresses in their life? Because that will affect how you carry yourself, how you're able to, how you're able to relax your muscles, relax your body. It can also affect our how you're able to exercise. You know, I've had to adapt people's home exercise programs because they just can't do even. 15 minutes of it because there's when they get home, they're just stressed and running around. They just, they just need something quick. And so we have to adapt yeah. our plan based on that. It's just not like, well, if you can't do it, then that's on you. You know, we're not, that's not going to be us. We're yeah. constantly adapting to that too. And so, and we know that when you're stressed, it heightens your, 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 um, like yeah, <laughs> it heightens your just inflammation yeah. response yeah. and you get, yeah, you get tight and closed off. And when you can't breathe even properly that too then just further heightens your, mm. your your stress and your inflammation and so if you're already starting with some inflamed muscles and joints well then and then you're not recovering and resting because yeah. you're stressed that will affect the rehab plan as well and i imagine it's probably pretty cool seeing these transformations of people who are coming in and hopefully changing habits because it's also on us at the end of the day you can only mm. do so much so uh, this is a just kind of a basic question when do you think is the best time for someone then to come in and see you essentially when when they're ready to you know when they're ready to make a change mm. you know i'd like to just say you know once you're feeling pain and you can't shake it yeah go ahead and come in i mean yeah. that would probably be the best that that's probably the best time you know 
there we have people that come in also that they just want to get ahead of mm-hmm. of any kind of aches and pains. You know, maybe they they have a family member that's going through something and they're like, you know what, I think I want to get ahead of this. I'll come in to be on exercise and just get checked out. And which we're getting more and more of those people, people who are almost like a dental check. You're just, maybe you're not, you I'm don't have that issue. Yeah, you're yeah. transitioning into that. Yeah. Um, and we do get a lot of people transitioning from rehab into, all right, once a quarter or once semi-annually, let's, let's check in and see where you're at and get mm-hmm. you back on track if you've fallen off track or give you some new ideas to, to increase your health. But I think generally, you know, if you're just feeling well, icky or achy, mm. yeah. just give us a call because you don't need a prescription to come in. But you also don't need to be an athlete. Correct? You don't need to be an athlete. Yeah, exactly. You, you really yeah. don't. You know, we have. You don't need to be a flying pig. No, you, you don't have runner. to be a runner or anything. You just have to be active. Our, our, I think one of the messaging going to our, 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 our brand is, and we get this a lot, is it looks like only athletes go to your facility. And that's not true. I mean, we do have athletes, high level, professional athletes, recreational athletes, high school, college. But the majority of our people are just people who maybe wouldn't call themselves an athlete, but they're active people. They yeah. just, they want to feel good and healthy. They want to travel. They want to hike. They want to go for walks. They want to wake up in you know, pain. They don't want to wake up in pain. People don't realize that they have more control over that than they actually do. And, and you don't yeah. have to go to a traditional system just because it's what you, you usually do, told, yeah. what you've been told. And we're trying to change that narrative. Mm-hmm. And hopefully this podcast will help uh, people realize that, that not only is Beyond Exercise exists, but there are other places like Beyond Exercise. We were the first, but there are a lot more out there that are doing what we're doing. You know, I'll be biased. I think we're the best at it. <laughs> and, and you mentioned earlier, you know, how, how, you know when people come in and they don't have to deal with insurance, they do have to pay out of pocket. When people pay out of pocket, they tend to follow through with what we ask them to do more. And so that's why we also get some, oh. some uh, success, a lot that of success psychological well. change is Psychology. really interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, and you know, I, 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 I'm going to switch gears a little bit and kind of we'll end and wrap up with our flying pig theme because we're having you on when pigs fly for the week of the flying pig. And first and foremost, I feel like you need to have a run club. Have you ever thought of that? Um, so we used to have a run club. It's, it, it's funny. Um, we had one. It was called the Beyond Exercise Run Project for a yeah. few years. But, and it was, it was, it was operated by um, a friend of mine who has rebranded it as the Performance Project. So we're still very involved with the run club um, scene, yeah. but when you are running a club and you're doing it well, it's it's a beast to manage. There's just so many. So yeah. If you're going to do it well, there's so much logistical mm-hmm. stuff to plan out, and then you're doing it for 16 weeks. And if you want to make it a really good experience, and so we had a club that started a few years ago because we wanted, just like I wanted to change how physical therapy was delivered and access, we wanted to change the running club scene a bit. So um, yeah. a friend of mine, Rick, who was working at the running spot at the time, or I guess it was Jackrabbit at the time, he was yeah, leading yeah, yeah. a lot of their running groups. And we decided, you know what, what if we created a run club that not only trained you for running, but it also had the physical therapy, injury prevention component, the rehab mm. component when you got hurt, the massage for recovery. I'm here for that. Trainers for strength <laughs> training, 
in season, off season, and try to lump it all. So that's what we did. And then during COVID, um, we decided, you know what, a, a good strat- a strategy would be to, to split it. And um, so he runs this, this, the group, it used to be the Beyond Exercise Run Project, and now it's the Performance Project, and he still runs it out of Oakley. And, but we're very much involved in, in the running community. Like I said, I was a runner, a triathlete, and so Flying Pig weekend is always you know, one of the best uh, times of the year, uh, in my opinion, for, for the city. Uh, we do get a lot of people pre-race, you know, as they yeah. go on up, they're, they're dealing with little aches and pains. So we end up retreating a lot of people. So right now we're in a little bit of crisis mode with some people yeah. who are, are trying to get to the, the starting line <laughs> oh, and then sorry. afterwards, for sure. <laughs> but you also have the cool ability too to track steps with some of the systems that you have mm. in your gym, which is really cool. I got to experience that with a project we worked on together. And then we also did some fun like running practices <laughs> Down the yeah, street oh yeah! Like, oh yeah! <laughs> yeah, we did. We did some weird, fun drills in front of everybody in Oakley, and uh, got to, people to, some weird looks. To run right, right? Like I, I've I've had these conversations before that your running technique is actually really important, and that's something that personally I can even thank you for as well because you opened my eyes just to how I was even stepping wrong. Yeah. Um, and that mm. you have the ability to kind of correct that too at at Beyond Exercise with the software and the systems that you have. Yeah, for for your for, for you as an example, you came in with hamstring pain, and we realized, well, yeah, maybe you're, you're a little weak in the hamstring, but weak in the hips, really weak, it, really weak in the hips, <laughs> weak in the core. You had zero single leg control <laughs> and balance. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> and then you're trying to run with all wrong. of that. Yeah, so <laughs> we had to rebuild you essentially. You know, yeah. improve yeah. your strength or tissue. Ex- Pliability, activate their the hip glutes. strength, activate it, activate it in the right sequence, then yes. put it together in the act of running, teach you how to run. And so I've been running and studying mm-hmm. running mechanics for at least a decade, probably the past dozen years, even at my previous jobs. And it's something that I've been impassioned about. And I love working with runners. We have our team of therapists and trainers. Um, we all love working with runners. We're, we're able to talking about stories and seeing progress, you know, Getting, we're be, we've been getting texts from people who just ran the Chicago Marathon, Boston wow. Marathon, and they're like, I set a PR, or I finished and I had zero pain, or, or, or thank you because I never thought I'd get to this starting mm-hmm. line and be able to finish. And so we have all kinds of stories mm-hmm. like that with, with runners um, and, and just and triathletes and, and even cyclists because we're working with just the endurance community, endurance athlete community. So Flying Pig Weekend, it's, it's, we love it. We have all, most of the content on our website that's free. All our content's free. Most of it is with uh, involves running and how to improve your running, how to how to mm-hmm. avoid injury, or um, how to start addressing injuries. So, my last question: What principle from physical therapy do you think best applies to business as a good piece of advice? Oh man, that's a that's a good question. Assess the situation and just try something. So. With business, I was always assessing, is this successful or is this not? And maybe because I didn't have business training or I don't know if this was the right strategy, but if something didn't, wasn't working out, I pivoted. I pivoted quick. Once I made my mind up, I pivoted quick. So I would try something, assess, is it working? I give it the necessary time that I felt was necessary, was needed. And then if it was working, I'd go forward with it. If it wasn't, I pivoted. It's the same with how I treat 
you know, I have when I, once I have my initial impression of what I think is going on, you know, I will execute on a plan well and whether it's exercise or hands-on techniques or a referral to another provider, you know, we'll execute on that and then we'll see what happens. You know, we got to give your tissue and your body time to respond. If it responds, perfect. Let's think about the next steps. If it doesn't, all right, let's adapt. Let's pivot. You know, I like to, mm. I tell my, my, my team, my, my staff this all the time. When it comes to healthcare, I think I liken us to like the special forces of healthcare. We are small and quick and we can adapt mm. very fast as a business. And that comes with having good teammates that can align real well with our mission. Mm-hmm. And even in, at a micro level with clients too, you've got to be able to assess, adapt, uh, make changes as you need to. Oh, I love that. Well, I actually do want to ask, and this might, you could say this is the same exact answer, but knowing everything that you know now on this 10 year journey, and even plus, you know, all of your experiences prior to this, what would you tell the Eric Oliver yourself when you first started this beyond exercise journey? Now I would tell Eric 10 years ago, stay patient and stay strong. Mm. That's oh, a great note. Yeah. So with that, um, where can people find more information about you, your website, uh, social media, all that jazz? So our website is gobeyondexercise.com and our Instagram and Facebook handle, it's the same, gobeyondexercise.com. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much all we're involved in. We have a Twitter account, but I don't think it's... <laughs> And used in <laughs> two and years. Twitter only is active when uh, Facebook and Instagram are down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, with that, Eric, thank you so much. This was uh, this has been awesome. Yes, thank and, you, uh, Eric. It's uh, and personally, it's been great being able to work with you uh, these last couple months too. So. Well, thanks for having me. I enjoy telling my story, and it's it's it was fun. Thanks for talking. Of course, and I can't wait to hear about your next YouTube journey. Okay, bye. (laughs) There there is something there. (laughs) Eric's awesome. He's good people. He's good people. Granted, I don't know how he can handle feet, but he's good people. (laughs) Like he says, I guess after a while, it just, it comes second nature. Nope. No. But but truly, that, that conversation makes me personally happy because I know I've also been able to get to know Eric just through working with him and going through these sessions and adapting Mm. and changing my body for the better because through personal experience, I went in there hurting. My back was always in pain. My neck was always in pain. And this isn't, again, me blowing smoke. He did truly change and pinpoint my issues. And he comes in with a very holistic strategy. Mm. And it's, he makes that a point to also implement that throughout the entire experience with beyond exercise, no matter what trainer you're working with. And that aspect of time really sticks with me Mm. because a lot of the times the sessions, when I'm going in there, they're an hour and a half because even though I have a neck pain, neck pain, it's, it's running all the way down. They take the time. They take the time. It's not a 15 minute session in and out, which I've experienced myself and it never, it never Mm. gets the job done. It never gets the job done. I think that kind of like dovetails into what my takeaway was in the sense that 
he takes the time, he listens, and he's mm. patient, right? Patient. I think that was the yeah, theme was nice throughout the entire mm. conversation was patience and time and listening. Those kind of like yeah. concepts that I know I personally need to work on. Yeah, um, <laughs> we, all, we all do. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think – in business, he brought up, you know, hey, like, you got to listen to what's happening and then pivot, right? Active, active and then, listening. Mm-hmm, and then, mm-hmm. but also be patient to, like, see if things work, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think these are key concepts that you can take with you anywhere. Yeah, and that even included his business model, too, right? Mm. We're talking about adapt, adapt, adapt. He was smart to stand by what he believed in. Mm-hmm. And he was able to then be patient and adapt and pivot with a different perspective of how to approach physical therapy. And I think just his model alone, you know, you could you need to also think about that in any industry you're in. Just because mm-hmm. it's done status quo in other aspects and other businesses, try try to try to challenge yourself. Mm-hmm. Challenge yourself how you're making money. Challenge yourself to maybe look at the system around you and how the system around you and your clients also affect your business. Differentiate. And differentiate. And also what's going to make yourself happy too. Because I think this business model, I can't speak for him, but from our conversations, allows him to really manage his own life and his own schedule mm-hmm. and spend more time with his family. You oh, know, wow. he has two, yeah, two kids and and, and a wife and, and that's important to him. And that work-life balance is just, that's, that's, balance is so important. But speaking of time and balance, right, they took the time to create also a brand mm-hmm. that was recognizable. They w- took the time yeah. to be on social media. So I think he's kind of created a core concept for mm-hmm. himself and his business and his team that's clearly taking them far, you know, 10, 10 plus mm-hmm. years. Uh, yeah. And I'm excited to see where they go. Yeah. And, and holding himself accountable. Cause that's, you can go in, I'm excited to see where they go. And if you mm-hmm. also, as an individual, if you're going in to see him as a client, just also remember that, you know, your physical mental health is important, but you also have to be able to want to make that change mmm. and you have to be able to hold your, own self accountable as well. And uh, well, speaking I think of the, beyond holding, exercise is, is the epitome of that. Speaking of holding people accountable, Allie, let's yeah. hold our audience accountable yeah. by like checking out our ratings and reviews and making sure you're subscribed. So please go do all those things. Go follow mm-hmm. us on social media, rate, review. We do check them. So, you know, maybe we'll just need to bring the receipts one day and show yeah. everyone, like start yeah. special shout outs. And uh, reach out to if, us. Yes, please do. Um, and then, Allie, what is the most important thing that tell they can do? Tell a friend. Please tell a friend or a family member if you like this podcast about when pigs fly. Uh, word of mouth, as Eric said, too. It's, it's yes. a powerful thing. On that note. Time to cheers. Cheers. And here's some necessary legal stuff. Allie Martin and Patrick Bailey developed the When Pigs Fly podcast in collaboration with the Up Company LLC. At the time of this recording, we do not own equity or other financial interest in the companies which appear on this show unless otherwise indicated. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own opinion and do not reflect the opinions of the EW Scripts Company and its affiliates or Generator Management LLC and its affiliates or any entity which employ us. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. We have not considered your specific financial situation, nor provided any investment or legal advice on this show. 
Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. We also want to give a shout out to Claire and Christian of Moonbow. They're the two artists of our intro song, which is so catchy and gets stuck in our heads all the time. So bop over to Spotify or wherever you find your music and give them a listen. And Like the Night by Moonbow is courtesy of Silver Lake Sync.